Podcast. I'm Nolan, joined as always by Bruce Sledgehammer Woodall. Uh, but this week we have a special guest, friend of the pod, the incomparable Matt Norlander. He is here to recap SPAC. Your 99th and 100th shows, Matt. Let's go. Correct. Shows 99 and 100. Thanks for having me back on the show, guys. And yeah, it was uh, an awesome, memorable weekend. Show one was 726.98. That's right. My first DMB show ever was the 98 Streets Tour. And the first time I ever saw them was at uh, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center. So it was pretty wow. pretty awesome to uh, to have this come all the way full circle and have show 100 be a night to its back that was good stuff yeah and you're coming up on the 25th anniversary of your first show too so right. um obviously you had to find one huge way to blow out 25th anniversary first show 100th show all that stuff and we'll get all the way into it but i mean there's not we've had someone on this podcast before that had some sort of epic gorge weekend one of nolan's good friends mr alex day and a certain band member was involved in this matt i think that you're epic weekend also involved a certain band member a lot of people all over kind of have been waiting waiting really? for this particular individual and you to finish a specific something so why don't you go into it set the scene for us and really dive into uh everything that went down this past weekend sure sure um so i did get to sit down before the before night two with Mr. Beauford, uh, with Carter backstage, and that was good stuff. So for, yeah, for close to two years here, I've been just, you know, waiting out and in the midst of writing a, a story uh, about Carter for Modern Drummer Magazine. I actually need to follow up with the editor and let him know that I've done a follow-up interview. Um, more news. Uh, I got a lot done. I'm still not done though. Like we, we still like, uh, Carter was incredible and I was ready to get up and, uh, let him be on his way about an hour in. He's like, no, you're good, man. You are, you are okay. You, we can keep talking. So we, I was probably with him for about an hour and a half before the show. Um, up to the point where I was like, I probably need to eat something here. And he does too, before this concert starts. So, um, so we had more than enough time to to talk and we touched touched on a lot of stuff but there's even more stuff that i need to ask him about that i didn't quite get to so uh at some point i will again um but yes uh i do have someone either hop into my dms or my mentions uh, absolutely monthly but at some points it is weekly it seems where they're like hey what's up with the carter story uh we are getting there and you know what it basically will be is it's going to be you know what i would hope would be a definitive profile on one of the greatest drummers in history for sure because that's never really happened with carter so um that's part of it and then there still is an element to the story that i can't quite disclose yet it's not like some super major huge like secret but there's a part of it like carter has has done something and uh i'm going to document and reveal why he did it and so that will uh I hope I can disclose that soon enough. I just don't know when that's the case. So uh, there's still that element to it as well. But it was uh, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And we talked about a whole hell of a lot of things. Some DMB stuff, some music stuff, some non-music stuff. And it was it was uh, an amazing treat to be able to sit down with him for a second time. I did the first portion of this in Guilford in 21. Um 
and that was awesome as well. But to really do this, and uh, in fact, when I sat when I sat down, like you know, the the buses got there late. Um, SPAC is a very compared to other venues where the actual like band buses park. Um, they're right up. Like if you guys, well, actually, I don't know. No one. I don't, have either of you ever been to SPAC? I actually don't know the answer to this. Have either of you been there? Do you just, know, just Bruce. Just Bruce. So, yeah, about eleven years ago. Okay, so when you when you are in the venue, and if you look to the right side, you can actually see the band tour buses, and that's not the case with most venues, but it's it's a tighter uh, thing. So they're right back there, and yeah, getting in and out of there is uh, it's a little bit more of an intimate setting. Anyway, the point is, they arrive before night two on their buses. They arrive just later than uh, than usual, and so uh, that led to me, you know, talking to Carter later. And uh, and getting a whole hell of a lot done. But anyway, he yeah, they uh, I was, you know, fortunate enough to literally linger around the stage. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I took photos of all like Tim's pedals, Stefan's pedals, all the rig setups. Um, you guys may or may not know this. I didn't learn this till this past weekend. So obviously the pad that Dave steps on is an on off. That is Jerry Garcia's. So I didn't realize that, but that is Garcia's actual on-off mic pad that I presumably he's been using more than two decades at this point. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, there's a photo of Roy. Uh, Coffin's got a bunch of pictures over by his setup. There's one of him and Roy, which is pretty cool. Uh, over there by the horns, there's um, a list of all the songs, um, which I think I've seen before in like a picture or two of like Dave, like kind of looking when he's building out sets, but they're all, all the songs are over there. Um, so that was really, really awesome. To just kind of, you know, be behind Carter's kit and then, uh, and then check out, uh, check out all that stuff. Anyway, I'm rambling. The point is they eventually came and got me and said, Hey, listen, Carter's ready. And when I went over there thinking I'm just going to talk to Carter, lo and behold, for a good 20, 25 minutes, Mr. Tim Reynolds just hung around and talked for a little bit as well, which was uh, yeah. awesome because sometimes he seemed, you know, sometimes he makes himself scarce, but he did not hear. And so it was uh, it was particularly fun to hear Tim and Carter kind of riff off of each other. So it was a uh, it was good times. If you have any questions about it, I'm, I'm you know willing and able to answer anything. But that's kind of a broad overview. Yeah, quick follow up. So when you saw the song list and Dave sometimes kind of writes stuff, uh, maybe highlight some things, which songs did you start marking beside and highlight as if Dave uh, was, oh, yeah, I, I did want to play Spoon next I, week I, in I, Camden I would, and I, things I, of that I, nature. I for that, I was like, so that the song list is under, it's, it's like on a road case, but under glass. So I could, you know, um, and there are like little notes on here and there. They're probably for horns. Um, but I did. I was like, is Blue Water on this list? And, they, and it is like there's a lot of stuff that's on that uh, that's on that list. And so that was uh, that's that's good to know. That's 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 certainly uh, a cool thing. So and oh, by the way, a little uh, thing. I got a couple of picks from Dave and uh, not front like he didn't literally hand them to me, but his guitar picks. So one side there is just, uh, you know, it's a mock up of his signature. The other side, there are two different kind of ants. And under them, mm -hmm. they say Stella and Grace, his daughters. So that's what he, uh, that's what he plays. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And then there's wow. just a regular black pick that has a fire dancer on it as well. So that's, uh, that's kind of cool. So yeah, those, those, and then gig used Carter drumsticks for my 100 show were my souvenirs. So that was lovely. Oh. This thing's like smashed up, which is, is that a snap stick? This is a snap stick. And I want to yeah. say, I can't remember after what song I got these. I want to say this was after. 
maybe cornbread, maybe monsters. It was mid show and it was before Bela came out. So, um, oh, and by the way, on the Bela note, I have to mention this. So uh, when I get done talking with Carter, this is just an awesome. So first of all, so I'm talking with Carter and they bring over the set that Dave's handwritten set. And I see the set. Um, and I really wanted just for safekeeping and my personal thing, I wouldn't have shared this photo publicly unless uh, they approved it after the fact. I wanted a photo of Carter actually like looking through the set and like, you know, just, you know, and because it had Bela's name on it, it, was, it would have been a cool thing, but I didn't do that. Um, but sure enough, like we looked through it and I was like, tell me what you're thinking about uh, this set. And he kind of walked through it and what he liked and and all this stuff. And uh, and then I see like. Well, first I saw Lawler's name, and which was interesting because I saw Lawler's gear set up side stage, but I thought that was just a normal thing. Like, it's just there in case they ever say you want to do it. But no, in this case, like, clearly it had been communicated and he had his, his amp and his pedals over there. So I was like, ah, oh, okay, that's why I saw his gear there. And then I see Bela's name and I was like, oh, what do we have here? And uh, they were like, yeah, keep that under your hat. And I was like, yeah, we're good. No worries. And then um, so having seen that interview's done, I'm going to go get dinner. Uh, I get up leave to go backstage and and eat with catering and as i am doing this literally as i am doing this here comes a dude with a dolly with a banjo and a and an amp just walking around like a regular 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 joe man and it's bail i was like hey and i and what am i gonna say i was like hey you know nice to nice to <laughs> nice to meet you and i was with one of dmb's uh crew members who refamiliarized themselves at hello and they uh they guided him along the way and it was just awesome to, because to, I guess his flight had gotten in late or something. And um, so he got there on time, but I think he was running a little behind. But just to see this guy, no entourage, and to just say, hey, here I am, just pulling up, <laughs> wheeling, wheeling in my banjo. And I was like, this is going to be just awesome. And it was cool for, you know, I don't know, three hours to know that this was going to happen. And there was like, you know, very, very small group of people that actually knew it was going to go down. Um, so that was awesome. And then my wife, uh, who went with me, we, um, uh, we had, uh, we had dinner in the back and we sat at the table, um, with, with Bela and, and Coffin was there, but I didn't, I didn't, you know, I said hello to Coffin and thanked him for everything, but I didn't interact too much. But after, so then the concert happens and then the show ends. And then my wife is like, Oh my gosh, that was, that was Bela Fleck. Cause he's so, he was so plain clothed. You know, just normal dude. She was like, I thought he was one of the crew. Like, because we were sitting with a couple other people that were like, you know, stagehands and whatnot. And she was like, oh, my gosh, I'm mo I'm mortified. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 you don't need to be. So it was funny after the fact. She didn't realize. I was like, yeah, I told you that when we were eating. So that was a that was a, a really, really cool experience. Did you introduce yourself to him as Gray Street Pod Eskimo Bros? I did not. Like, how did that? Oh, no, man. I did not. It was just a missed opportunity, quick, obviously. But you've been on here way more than he has. Maybe we'll have to. You know, I did debate this in real time because um, I saw I went to I saw them in Forest Hills and also had the good fortune of being uh, side stage. And so I introduced myself to Lawler in june at forest hills and said hey listen that was really really awesome what you did with my buds on the uh, gray street podcast that was really cool i know they really appreciate it and he said thank you so much and et cetera, et cetera. so i did do that with lawler but i did not do it with bela hey that's awesome joe's the man yeah it was good it was good stuff and he was really excited to uh to guest obviously a uh, night two and uh and there and there he did on cornbread which is good yeah okay i've got Two follow-ups here. Yeah. One, did you like knowing the set beforehand, or did it kind of... 
I don't know, not not ruin it, but it, like you know, you weren't surprised. Uh so this is now the uh, third or fourth time that I've known the set beforehand. Um, and I'm good. So night one, I went in, I was in, I was regular. I was in mm. the stands. I didn't know. And so I got, so yes, because I went to two nights, I liked night one, not knowing um, randomly, like my wife doesn't go to a ton of shows. Like she knows the band, she knows the songs. But if I asked her, I was like, give me the track list of before these crowded streets, she'd give you half the songs on the album. She likes them, but she's not like super, mm-hmm. uh, but she's like, you know, it'd be awesome. I think they like the first song they played was the stone. I was like, that's a long shot, but it's not impossible. And lo and behold, they freaking played the stone to open that <laughs> one. So that was, that was really, really cool. Um, so yes, I did. Uh, but it also creates interesting moments where, um, so I knew the set mm-hmm. and it's also like, you know, I'm, I'm literally like, it's right. I was given a set. So I had it in my pocket and I was referencing it uh, as the show was going and I'm listening on the in-ear monitor. So I'm, I'm hearing the band between songs, which is a, a cool thing, but it's also, I think I had Carter's mix in my ear. So it's more drum heavy. You do get all the instruments, but like, unless Tim is soloing or buddy is soloing, um, they're a bit more faint, um, but it's really cool. And since that's like a private closed channel, I won't, uh, I won't repeat too much there. Although there's absolutely nothing like bad or improper said whatsoever. Um, but the one thing I will share is that after Cornbread, um, or no, not after Cornbread, after Spaceman, uh, this is my interpretation. I think Dave sensed that um, the song didn't like fully hit with the audience. And that's based on me watching the crowd from the side. Um, and so he had so much enthusiasm and eagerness to be like, I want to play Lion Our Graves. I want to hear Bela on Lion Our Graves. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously the band went along with it. But to hear them and to hear him adjust to that in real time is like really, really awesome. Um, that one. And then when I was at Forest Hills, like I'll never forget hearing Dave and the look on Dave's face as he like kind of addressed the band when they decided to play JTR. Like it wasn't reluctant. It was enthusiastic. Um that was just like an all time moment because the crowd chanted for JTR back uh, at the Forest Hill show in Queens, New York. Um, so that stuff was awesome. But when they did that, when they went into graves, I was like, this is just tremendous. But I had the set. I knew they were going to they had, we were supposed to play typical, but Bela wasn't on typical. I was like, man, they need to keep them out there for this. But then I wondered, mm. I worried that they were actually going to cut typical in mm. favor of graves, which uh, typical is like maybe my favorite song. So I was like, eh, graves with Bale is awesome, but I'd actually rather take typical. Fortunately, yeah. they played both and, I, and they wound up cutting the maker. But I would I would trade. Obviously, everyone should. I would trade graves with Bela for the maker. So, um, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, well, anyway, we talked. We texted that, I yeah. think, Nolan. And we'll we'll dive into that because I want to get into one of the points you made about the the spaceman part. But we'll, we'll save that for the yeah. for the show. Um, and then I wanted to, because some, you know, people have heard some in-ear stuff over the years, not for a very, very long time have they yeah. been more um, things. But the thing that you kind of notice a lot, and I know you don't want to get too much into it, is there's the the cheerleading on stage that you see from Carter from the stands. Yeah. Like, that, that shit is real. They do it all the time. Right. He shouts people out almost every single song, and it's it's truly so much fun to hear. I mean, it's fun to see, but... I, that's like one of my main takeaways from some of those um, recordings 
And I'm sure, you know, that was something that you heard a lot, just a lot of positivity up there. And it's, it's, it's pretty fun. He's, yeah. I mean, the man's the heart and soul of the band. In fact, we talked about that with the interview or we just ventured into it. I don't know how um, I got to still transcribe some of it and listen back, but he got into talking about um, how sometimes, uh, you know, if Dave might flub a line or whatever, like he'll still get, cause we were talking, here's what, here's what it was. I was talking to Carter about his style, his playing, how it's evolved and how he's, you know, he's nowhere near this. This will probably be a small part of the story, but like he's nowhere near wanting to hang it up. Like he wants to play into his 70s. If you are a DMB fan and are wondering is like Carter, you know, he's 64 years old. Might he only have like two or three years left uh, based off the interview that I did? That's not the case. He wants to continue to do this for years and years and years and years, which is not a huge surprise, but obviously uh, extremely <laughs> uh, an extremely great thing to hear. Um, but amid that conversation, he was also talking about how uh, he never thinks that he's like mastered his craft. And, you know, he's always just striving towards something like trying to get better, expand his, his drumming repertoire and, and going and going and going. Um, and as we were talking about a lot of that, uh, he had got onto like, yeah, sometimes like, you know, um, Dave might be hard on himself if he thinks he flubbed something, this or that. And he's like, no, nah, man, that's not it. Like it's, it's, if, if an accident happens, uh, you know, we can create beauty from that kind of stuff. And to your point, Bruce, um, Carter is that guy who, uh, is just always particular, like he is helping steer that ship, um, in the moment live. Cause I will say this, like having the good, you know, good fortune. I was very lucky to be able to watch this show side stage on night two. Um, it's a different kind of experience to be that close to them and watch them. I would say when you get a chance to see the band from that angle um, and that kind of proximity, and I think you can get some of this if you're certainly, if you've been able to watch them from the first few rows, but it still leaves, is it a little different when you're watching side stage? Um, you really get a sense of how their performance uh, is also, you know, it's a, it's a high wire act, you know, like if you're 40 rows back and you're hearing them play Jimmy thing for the 37th time in concert, like I completely understand how it can get a little bit rote when it comes to that kind of stuff. But when you're actually right there and you see um, how they are adjusting and playing live uh, it, yeah, I think Carter's ability to be the person on the stage who is the driving energy force. And then after the songs, who's, you know, pumping up the guys it's uh it's it's pretty cool and yeah it was uh it was very enlightening to hear him kind of describe his process and how he's nowhere close to done and certainly doesn't consider himself to be you know uh you know just uh the absolute master of all masters he refuses to believe that he does not like i he obviously knows he's good i'm not saying that but he does not consider himself to be like on a tier separate from most other drummers, even if a lot of people view him that way, he doesn't look at, at that way. And I think that's obviously a, a very healthy approach. That's awesome. Well, he is the goat. Um, I'm sure deep down he knows it, but uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into, all right, SPAC night one. So yeah. you already mentioned stone opener, um, great opener for SPAC. Do you remember? And then busted stuff gets its first play at SPAC. Matt, have you seen Busted Stuff before? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, I have. Um, 
I brought my almanac up here. Shouts to the almanac guys, as always here. Um, let me even bring this up. So I was at uh, the most stunning show of my life was tour opener 2010 Hartford. So I got busted stuff there. Um, I saw busted stuff in 2000 at Hartford. Mm-hmm. Uh, my total number, I saw it earlier. I saw it in Forest Hill. So I've seen busted stuff four times in my, uh, or wow. five, five times now. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. uh, so happy yeah. for you that you saw it twice. Thank you very summer. much, man. That's you know so what? Nice. I gotta say, I gotta say, it's like, uh, I feel like I could, I, could, I could get a couple more times, you know, I, it's, I'm a no. very fortunate in that regard. So, no. uh, now listen, um, <laughs> it was, they, I love that they have rediscovered this song, um, because I consider, I considered busted stuff before it kind of got busted out to be along the lines of a, um, I don't even know if there's a comparable song right now, actually. Uh, maybe I would say crazy easy, maybe, but like they did bust that out after nine years, but it's been gone. I don't know. I was not, I was borderline convinced it was never going to show up again, but yeah. it is back. Thankfully it is back. Um, I do have to note that stone opener, man. Gosh, it's just, it's, it's not my favorite opener all time. I might've said this on a previous show with you guys. I think seek up is their best opener. I think it's the quintessential DMB opener, but having said that they've got a few tunes in the, in the holster that, that really works so well as an opener and particularly the stone to open like a two nighter is awesome. And, uh, once the bass and horns kicked in, um, after the main riff, like Dave had, Dave kind of like got uh, taken aback, look behind him, was like, "Oh, damn, okay, we're ready, to, we're ready to roll here." And it was, uh, it was, it was really, really good stuff. Um, the Stone opener, just you just can't beat it. And I thought they they nailed it. Uh, Do you remember? I think works best early in a set. I actually yeah. still dig the song. Um, I still think it's a it's a really really good song. Um, so I no complaints there. And then busted stuff. And then the only thing I've gotten twice now, this this tour, which has been great. And uh, I think that can kind of work anywhere. I actually think it would be awesome. E1. Now, it's got a lot of energy, so I think they're not as likely to bust it out in an E1. But I actually think it'd be mm-hmm. killer to come out of a break and just break into that before you go into something else. But uh, but mm-hmm. they are working out a jam on that tune that is really, really something. And uh, it's 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 nice to see some of these songs from walk around the moon really develop some some legs here and uh and grow so that was a that was a strong opener for sure big time big time so um yeah we'll we'll start on only thing just real quick new horn jam awesome i mean you've got the tim and buddy back and forth which is cool but then to throw that in i mean i thought that coffin and rashawn were fantastic um on the stone i mean yeah best opener potentially that they have they've only done it less than I think it's nine times in 10 years or um, maybe no six times the last 10 years is, is opened mm-hmm. um, nine times the last 13 years um, more than, I mean, just ridiculous, ridiculous wow. territory there. Um, I didn't connect with this one as much. And the only reason is it seems like they kind of struggle in the intro. Um, they don't hit where they're supposed to, like they used to um, like when Carter and Jeff should kind of boom together Um they just, for some reason, probably because they don't play it as much anymore. They just don't hit um, right where they should. Um, and it just was a little sloppy overall. But I think that when I'm in person on the stone, I, I don't think I've ever noticed a flub because it is yeah. my number one. Um, but 
I, w- I was like, man, they, they rushed through that. It sounded like an opening to SPAC. It sounded like we're kind of jittery. We're ready to get this going. And they just went 95 miles per hour, just straight out of the gate. Um, and what caught Dave off, uh, off balance. And cause he definitely, he like turned around like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, this it was, could my, have been. this was my sixth stone opener. I just checked no big deal. So yeah. Anyway. Wow. Well, I think he's really close to getting ejected. Um, I think, you know, or maybe first technical. We might have to call one real quick. Right 825, 2000, 829, That is a live track. It's back. And then, um, oh, well, you know what? Technically, I, so uh, I have it twice here on 90. So it was probably my fifth. My almanac is showing me unless uh, I don't know why that's showing that. I got two on the same day, uh, 2011, 2012, and then 2023. So call it call it five overall. Huh. Uh, obviously almanac just full of glitches that yeah. we just y'all need to get on that um quick question matt on buses stuff did you notice dave's guitar having any sort of like distortion over it mm. um no. because on the tape and i don't know what was going on this was the first one this summer that i noticed that dave may have some electric distortion on his because tim was also playing in the background to where it sounded like tim was playing the lead but he was not um in earlier versions this year, probably the Forest Hills ones that you saw um, was more just bare bones electric, sounded really great, clean. Um, but this one had some sort of electric effect. It sounded I like on the tape. I was, that, but I do hmm. love that uh, Dave Finger picks it and just you know his yes. guitar part is so pivotal to that song. And obviously mm-hmm. he didn't play on the 2010 versions. It was just it was just Tim. And uh, but no, I did not pick that up live. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it could have been, um, I couldn't really get it on like the YouTube videos. I tried to find if I was just crazy. Um, it wasn't as heavy, but on the, on the tape that, uh, listened to, it was very heavy. And I was like, Oh, oh, not as, not as much as what I wanted to hear there, but, um, yeah, it was, it was still awesome and coffin crushes it. But, uh, yeah, Nolan, your thoughts on the opening run, we were kind of texting about it. Like, uh, of course, SPAC, what is this? I mean, you could say that for the whole weekend. Like, oh, spec. So they get all the cool stuff. Yeah, don't play it in Charleston. Don't play it all these other <laughs> places. But we actually did luck out in Charleston, at least with yeah. like one really good show, especially early on when they weren't busting out a lot of things um, like they did with this next song, American Baby Intro. I did not see. I didn't think this song would ever get played again. Um <laughs> Gosh, they just beat it into the ground in that lying in the hands of God uh, outro jam. But ABI Liberation, last time played September 18th, 2011 at the DMB Caravan at Randall's Island. And that show also had a stone opener. So I was there. Stone opener. You were there, too. I was there. That was one of yours. Okay. Um, Well, first of all, you went right over Nancy's, Nolan. Can you get it together, please? I did skip Nancy's. I'm wondering, uh, you wow. guys know this. So I haven't, I haven't, uh, and this was intentional, but I haven't checked a lot of the tapes. I haven't listened to a lot of, I've just done, kind of done my shows this year. I've, I've popped in occasionally, like I've got Sirius XM. So if like, um, if my kids allow me to switch off the Beatles channel and then I'll check DMB. And if it's a performance from this year, like I'll listen in. I, I don't know if the Nancy's jam here was different. I just know it. it I, didn't recognize as much in terms of just uh, the dynamics. And I thought it was a really good Nancy's jam. So, but maybe that's the way they've been playing it all year long. Um, But uh, it seemed um, 
a little more adventurous, uh, but not just so overbearing and overpowering. I liked it a lot. So I don't know if that's it was good. I don't know if that's a new thing or not, but uh, yeah, but I thought good. it was good. And then to ABI real quick, um, that was so I, I my memory is that Buddy kind of started it. And I was like, what do we have here? I was like, what yeah. is this? I was like, this doesn't sound like it would be Madman's, uh, but I was like, but maybe it will be. I don't know. And um, but no, then I noticed that Dave had the that's what it was. So Dave had the uh, baritone. I was like. Uh, I guess what you are, maybe. And it took, you know, it just it, the rise of the riff uh, took a couple, a couple seconds or so, and then you could almost feel it like just moving back in the crowd. Like the people up front realized it at first, and then slowly it pushed back and pushed back and pushed back, and then everyone kind of realized what they were doing, and it got a pretty uh, remarkable response uh, as they got going. I think this song is fine. Um, I, you know, it was a really awesome experience. I'm glad they liberated. I was glad to be there for it. Uh, but I was, I underestimated, I guess, how many people recognized it and appreciated them, uh, them playing this. But yeah, it was a uh, liberation. They hadn't played it in well over a decade. So there we go. It's one of those things that almost has to happen at SPAC or an Alpine or something like that, where you're going to get that crowd build. Um, and it's noticeable on every single thing I've listened to a YouTube video, the the tape, the Sirius XM. I mean, people went nuts for it. And just as it extended and as they realized what was going on up until Dave says she said for the first time, uh, yeah, it just rose and rose. And that was pretty cool. Um, and Nolan, some of our favorite people that are in the crowd that are yelling mother father um, during Buddy's intro. Oh, is that actually uh, wrong? Oh, yeah. Um, There's a particular individual. Um, that's screaming, mother, father, mother, father. And then, in, and then when it happens, he just yells ABI like five times. Okay. The acronym for the song. Um, interesting. And then obviously reading the almanac, he begins yelling 2011. Um, so good, oh, okay. good for them. Uh, but it was pretty cool. I thought that, like, I think what Matt said, it's a, it's a fine song. It was really cool. Back in 05, I think when Carter just absolutely crushed uh, the violin was pretty awesome on it. And then you had mm -hmm. some butch piano. So it was good to hear piano back on uh, back on that with Buddy. I thought that was excellent. Interesting choice, Dave, going on the Barry as well. I like it. Um, that was a good choice. So that was, and it was a, yeah, I agree. Kind of like seamless flow right into break free, which was uh, I like the way that that was put on the set there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, so that was that was awesome. Um, I, I think. Like Nolan said, I did not expect this song to ever be played again. I think. Just for the sake of Dave's voice, I was yeah. like, "Oh God, I hope he's got enough juice in him for the for yeah. the rest of the weekend." But yeah, those like 2006 ABI and the Two Step or ABI Watchtower, those were those were pretty epic. This one you could really hear like on the XM stream, like Dave just like really playing the Barry. It's like very loud in the mix. Um, so that was interesting, but yeah, it's cool to see that come back. That's uh, two for this tour between Busted Stuff and ABI that was sure we're not going to get played again. Um, great transition into Break Free. Matt, you're notorious for not really thinking much of Break Free. Has it grown on you? Uh, outdoor Jam has grown on me. Otherwise, um, this one doesn't do a ton for me, but the, uh, the jam now is better than it's ever been. Like... Uh... I, I think the jam that was rewritten for the record uh, is elevates the song higher, at least for me, than it ever has been before. Hmm. 
why why is that so over the okay let's go back to the initial break freeze 06 um pretty cool you know roy and rashawn and all that like rashawn mostly obviously um on those solos Th- those are pretty notoriously great um people always point to well this album version is no fenway 06 um is that a thing no shit um oh it's a oh, thing yeah. and i tell you the last time i listened to fenway period who so. would but uh regardless you know people hold that style of jam in high regard and you're kind of now the opposite so explain yeah, yourself this is just uh it's got a little more shake to it a little more slipperiness to it um i think the horn line's a little more creative and uh it allows and i and i i do a, uh i think that's buddy on the roads and so i yep. i i just i like that a lot better it just it just sounds better to me i think it, i think it works and the song is uh is exact exactly as long as it should be so i think it's uh I I enjoyed it at, at Saratoga night one. Don't need it in every set. We're on an album tour. I get it. And, uh, and I wasn't like over the moon about them deciding to put this tune on the actual album, but, uh, but it's there. And so um, I will certainly take it in this incarnation over all previous ones. Well, I mean, you didn't have to be over the moon. It's walk around. There we the go. Moon. There we go. Um, <laughs> Nolan's favorite song comes next. Sledgehammer, biggest crowd pop probably of the weekend. Um, yep, this is yeah, when always... I uh, decided to uh, to run to the bathroom. Yeah, Smart. evacuate the premises. Uh, well done. Pop, you, listen, you... what do you want me to say? It, it, the crowd goes nuts for it. Um, so I, I get it entirely. But uh, but yeah, I you know it's fine. It's but you know I I've seen it. Seen it. Yep. Yep. I tell you what, I saw just a clip from Spacklawn um of sledgehammer starting and i was like and i watched several other songs from that just to uh, try to hear some of this before the tapes came out and it was just unbelievable the reaction to that over so many other songs um and yeah anyways uh, you that's, get- a, that's a that's a real thing by the way and having then referencing talking to carter and and uh not specifically to sledgehammer but re- paying attention to the crowd reaction to the crowd uh, and even on like some, even if they're involved on some quiet, quieter stuff that's their intent, that means just as much. But uh, the band is certainly very aware of of the music and how the crowd is interacting and responding to it. And so it is completely understandable that every damn time they play Sledgehammer, it is going to pop the crowd. That is, an, you know, probably an intoxicating feeling for a performer. And so it's, it's you know, they probably consider it something of an ace in the hole. And so that's yeah. why it's there. It makes sense. Yeah. Once you hear the crowd pop, you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'll enjoy it too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Madman's Eyes. And then after that, a little fish tender action. Mm-hmm. And which I didn't I, think I mean, we were getting on night one because I believe they played this in Guilford like two nights prior. I think that happened. Um, but that was a special treat there. Um, man, did, bartender. Both of these are good, but yeah, this bartender was uh, just funky as hell on the end, man. I really like what they do with that outro okay. jam. Um, no, yeah, really, really tasty stuff. So that uh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to get a very, uh, very good night one treat. And at this point in the set, um, I'm thinking like we're, we're, we're cruising to a, a really solid night one here, you know, not knowing what was coming next. And, uh, and I was, I was definitely happy with how things were pacing. Good pace, good pace. Carter just destroying the end of bartender. I mean, 
amazing. There's an angle. I saw a video. I think it was Gorge Crew posted someone from the balcony filming down and like the Carter angle. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, nice. he's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Yeah, we got to get more Carter angles. Yes, I would just watch that if I could. Um, Interesting. Maybe yeah, one day. One day. Uh, looking for a vein. Nice little new song there for you, and then a shotgun tour debut, Matt. Yes. I bet you didn't see that coming. And have you seen Shotgun before? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let me let me get you my shotgun number. For here sure. Don't act like you've All seen right. every song a million times. I have, but uh, I'll hold on. I'm gonna give you right now my shotgun total. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess and say four, but uh, once again, shouts to the Almanac. I have six times, six times for shotgun. So, um, no, oh, that's too many. Twice in 07, 09, twice in eleven, and then twenty twenty three. So this is my first shotgun in a dozen years. At least um, you didn't see it in 06. I mean. You know. Did not see it in 06. I did not catch a shotgun in 06. Uh, it's a damn shame. Um, shotgun's a solid tune. Uh, it's, uh, I would say it's slightly overrated, but it was certainly uh, welcomed here. And of all the Valet songs, I'm trying to think. So there's this, there's Squirm, there's Idea of You, there's Baby Blue. What else is on the tiny guitar? Um Am I missing something? I think this is the best of the ones that are on this guitar, in my opinion. I would like I would take shotgun over idea of you personally. Um, yeah. And yeah, I thought it was uh, it was it was a nice and I knew it was a tour debut. So at this point, I knew we'd gotten two of them in the show with ABI and this and pretty well placed after Vane, uh, which I hope is not a kind of song where, you know, it definitely it's listen, it's a, it, most of the crowd doesn't know it that well. And so it's it's it, but it's quick. I would prefer if this stayed in sets in the years to come um, and not like an every three night thing, but just enough to, uh, to remind us that it's there. But I thought that mm. shotgun after this was, uh, was certainly well-placed and it got a very, very big response. Yeah. And not cutting it after an Epic two step would probably be great too. Like yeah. It'd be cool if enough. Nolan yeah. and I would stop having shotgun cut from our shows. Um, yeah, I think that cool. was the second. I don't, I don't, one. I can't identify with that feeling. So uh, um, mm. yeah. Hey, you did miss Mr. a song on the tiny guitar, I believe falling off the roof. Yeah. I mean, how many times has that been played? Like lunch. Um, also wider shade of pale. So oh, yeah, don't stir. So good call there. Um, <laughs> I am more so in Matt's camp lately on shotgun being a little overrated i can't really stand or understand dave's vocal approach on it anymore and to where he just resorts to yelling especially when he can't yell as well as he used to um the song is always jump from second to fifth gear that's the that's yeah the issue yeah. too quickly and instead of trying to actually have a little bit of lyrics and building it it just all of a sudden jumps into a whale and yeah. So anyways, it's still cool. Obviously would love to see it again, but um, alas, uh, Nolan thoughts on shotgun before we move to um, well, another kind of, uh, it wasn't a tour debut, but still a surprising song to see being played this year again. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. I think it peaked in 06 and they hadn't quite captured that 06 magic, um, but I'd still love to see it all yeah. the time. I love the riff. The riff's, yeah, the riff Amazing. is the highlight. Yeah, it's, a, it's so a good. Song. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's keep it moving because we have a lot to get through here. Um, old Dirt Hill, kind of playing it like they did in the studio, that studio version. I don't know what's going on with that, but 
uh, probably not worth talking about. Pantala. There weren't there weren't any claps though. There's no claps. It's just Carter's playing the beat. Yeah. Um, so there's no yeah. weird, you know, fake drumming going on <laughs> that you yes. kind of heard from years past, maybe. But yes. it was solid. I thought Jeff did well. But um, yeah. Uh, anyways. Yes. Uh, after Rapunzel, Drunken Soldier, then Granny and Watchtower to close the main set. And then we get a Virginia in the Rain two-step encore. Mm -hmm. was going to be proudest satellite fake, but replaced with Virginia in the Rain. That is quite the encore with the tour debut of two-step. And of course, it makes its debut at SPAC. Of course. Uh, first of all, the uh, Rapunzel, Drunken Soldier, which I I, I very much enjoy. A um, little Same. bit of a different outro now than used to be, I guess, with with Drunken Soldier there. Granny Watchtower. Um, that's uh, that's a good little uh, that's a good little push there. And then uh, Carter told me that his favorite song to play as of late has been Virginia in the Rain. So um, yes. when, we, awesome. when he was looking at the when he was looking at the night two set. Um, I was like, this is, this is good stuff. And on a personal note, like typical might be my favorite song. So that, uh, the fact that you guys are going to do this on my hundred show is pretty awesome, man. That's, that's cool. I was like, what, uh, what ones do you feel amongst others? He's like, man, this is, there's a lot of good ones here, but then he started, he's like, but you know, what actually has been the tune. And he was sitting with one of the, one of the crew guys who does uh, the monitor stuff. And, uh, and he goes, I know what you're going to say before you say it. And he said, Virginia in the rain. He's like, yep. He's like, man, there's just been something about that tune. I've been all over it. I've been loving it lately. So uh, I don't know if that's why Proudest got subbed out for Virginia here, but um, I do love that song for Carter's part and like what he builds there and, and kind of what he wrote around um, the part that Dave initially remembered. This that's this that's an initial song that Dave wrote for Keys and mm -hmm. uh, played on in, in 2016. Um, I would actually. I would take Virginia over proudest. Now I know a lot of people probably wouldn't. Um, I would, but I, but I like Virginia the rain more than proudest monkey. And I like proudest monkey plenty. And it's a very good song. Like I, I would certainly take it over a handful of tunes that run night one, but I like, I like uh, Virginia E one. And then the two step was tremendous. And um, I started shuffling out of the venue once they got to uh, the end there, but there was like a, just a, badass jam before we get to the you know the heavy beats and you know the the two and a half minute outro that's kind of been the, the standard way that they've ended it for a number of years now but yeah kick ass um only minor complaint was uh dave seems to have completely abandoned you know off the riff off the cuff riffing of, lyrically on the intro and just does the time bomb stuff which is whatever it's fine um but uh mm -hmm. but otherwise yeah very very cool um tour debut and, and one of three in the show incredible so awesome um i'm not sure i agree on the virginia over proudest i love both especially in the e1 right now and that explains exactly why carter is doing some of those extended outros on virginia in the rain um leading into ants marching sometimes and and other things so uh cool tidbit there love that um yeah just can't get can't get much better than a two-step closer at SPAC. Um, and that's what one of our correspondents, Adam Hart, wrote in. When all he had to say was the best word I can describe tonight is, wow. Uh, he finally got shotgun. He's been chasing for years. American Baby intro into uh, liberation. 
Uh, and Adam wanted to know what the hell was Dave thinking when he wrote the set list. I expected a good weekend, but how can he even top this for night two? <laughs> Cap the night off with an in-your-face, hard-hitting two-step. Amazing, all-around incredible night. So that leaves us, or leads us directly into night two. Is Dave able to top it night two? Well, we'll let uh, we'll let everyone else decide, but we'll let Matt decide that first as we yeah. lead into night two. Set the scene for us a little bit. Obviously, you had a little bit different experience, and you got to see the set a little yeah. bit beforehand. So let's go on into night two. It's back. Okay. Hundred show, Matt. Hundred show. Uh, and yeah, I was. I did a little bit of uh, remembering back. I was a seventeen-year-old, drove down from Burlington, Vermont, parked way the hell out of the way. Did we? I was with two buddies, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing i was probably four rows from the back back in 98 graves opener you know got last stop um just all sorts of good stuff actually i'm gonna bring this up for you right now before we do this i'm gonna i'm gonna read you i'm going to read you the set list from my first show that's right you're getting it whether you want it or not all right so this is 726.98 man oh man 25 years ago all right graves Leroy. you know lead into pontula into Rapunzel. Don't drink. Satellite. Stay in the five spot. What would we, what would we get for a stay in the five spot these days? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Nancy's into Warehouse. This was a tour debut of Warehouse at that point. Remember, they're decently into the tour at this point. Um, then you've got... <laughs> look at this run. Nancy's into Warehouse. Seek up. Crush. Last stop. Two step. What? What? No. Crash into me, bridge, no so much to say, bridge into too much, watchtower. I specifically remember this watchtower because I was familiar with DMB playing watchtower, but had never experienced it. I, I wrote just the crowd losing its mind, like absolutely going bonkers. And then the encore in 98 was Jane and then Billy's. Uh, and, you know, it's a 16, <laughs> 16 and a half song set, but, uh, but my God, what a show. What a show. Um, Contrast that with here we go in 2023. Uh, would you rather have So Right or Pig as the opener? Because when I saw that, when I when I checked before, I was like, So So Right's good. I feel like I've actually gotten So Right as an opener at SPAC before. Um, hmm. But I like Pig slightly more. And so if you flip those, I actually think it works even better. What would you take, So Right or Pig to open a show? Pig. Yeah. I agree. Pig, definitely. But a great opener either They're way. They're both really, really good. They're both very yes. good openers. Um, but... Uh, so right, pig, and then hello again is, uh, I mean, that's house money right there. That's just, it's great that they have decided to bring this back uh, into the fold. It had a return a few years back and uh, and now has, has come back again. And yeah, we are getting uh, more more stand-up uh, appearances here than than I think what were anticipated, but a lot of them are the uh, the better cuts off of that album, which is, which mm -hmm. is good. The first six song run here. Yeah, I'm taking like Bruce's job and Nolan's job. I'm just going to read this. Real Go for it. All right. So, so right. So in, in watching all of this and, and knowing what was going to happen um, is, uh, is also an exciting thing because I was like, I want to see how they go from uh, hello again into it could happen. And then uh, what would that jam sound like? Because I feel like the one that I got of it could happen at um, Forest Hills was not the same as the one that I got just this past weekend at Saratoga. I feel like that one is like evolving in, in, in a very cool way. And the way that we used to get with a, with some DMB tunes that they would they would evolve over the course of a tour or a year or two, 
it feels like that's that's happening with it could happen uh it certainly sounds different from the first one of the tour and i wish they would um maybe try and segue it a bit more uh, but regardless I, I did enjoy this one and i and i i like this song even more now than i did a couple of months ago and from that into idea of you into minarets uh i thought was just you know that's just a really just tremendous one through six opener for a night too like that is super super strong and uh i thought uh minarets in particular was just killer like the, the dave scott intro here was uh was absolutely on point and uh was was phenomenal to uh phenomenal here the, the energy on stage and the talk between songs was was very enthusiastic and they i think the band quickly realized just how damn hot and sticky it was and you could see that by the way in the pit on night two by like midway through the show like Oh my gosh, people just drenched. And I mean, drenched. And it wasn't like 94 degrees with 100% humidity. It was probably, you know, like mid 80s or so, but it was, it was plenty sticky up there. And, uh, and it's a good thing that the, that those guys on stage all have like these, these big, huge fans, uh, that, that keep them cool because they absolutely need it. And even, even with that, I mean, Dave was, was drenched. Oh, always. Um, that is a great opening run. I'll even I'll throw in "Walk Around the Moon" there I, at, in the seventh slot. I think that's a good placement of that one. I would um, I would agree, Nolan. But they, they need to let cough and stretch his legs. That that flute solo yes. needs to be extended. I think I you know agreed. I, that just really get adventurous with that, in my opinion. But otherwise, I yeah. One uh, one nugget here. You saw the the ninth so right opener ever, and uh, so Pig actually has more with twenty four openers. So you got the you got more of the rarity there. there we oh, go. Lots of nines with so right. Then the, the last one was nine shows before that, and it's the ninth so right at SPAC, and then the ninth opener ever. Huh. Mm. Lots of nines. Interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then the show continues with another ninth show, uh, nine shows in between with she. Uh, we've got a little trend going here in the show as you had hello again. Idea of You, Minarets, She, and then Samurai Cop all be in the second performances of those songs of the tour mm. right here in your first nine songs. So keeping that variety up for the tour, uh, Dave obviously being very cognizant of that uh, here at SPAC. I wasn't, and, I, and Matt, curious to see what your reaction was and then also what the crowd reaction was through this little run here of, we'll throw in Walk Around the Moon, but let's say She, Sam Cop, Jimmy Thing, um kind of leading into the uh the guest spots if you will uh i will take she it is just different and um the studio cut i actually think is like one of the three or four best off of come tomorrow uh that may be a polarizing opinion but i will i was when i when i saw it i was like you know what i'll take she but you go walk she sam cop jimmy thing um I like this is one where like if, if night two had really gone to like typical, you know, high level Saratoga night two status, if you sub out Samurai Cop for even something, I'm trying to think of a song that had been played um, recently eh, yeah, or even like bring back Bismarck, like something right there, like then yeah. that really would have uh, would have elevated it. Uh, Jimmy thing always gets the crowd going. Um, 
Dave said because we can before he plays it because he knows that there's definitely especially at a place like Saratoga there's just there's Jimmy thing fatigue what do you want from me um but mm-hmm. uh, the crowd and the and uh after Sam cop I I think Dave's voice was uh was hurting a little bit he let the crowd sing the first verse I actually wonder if he was gonna let him sing the first and the second verse but he sang the second verse and then they are full-on playing the majority of the song Brickhouse these days um which is fun which is a little twist and yeah it was uh this was like you know if if you're in that percentage which i think saratoga i think a a, a good percentage of people that attend these shows not like the overwhelming percentage but you know call it 20 percent of the crowd that saw this show this night too i would i would say at least 20 percent of the crowd had seen 10 or more dmb shows in their life i just think there's there's that much of a hardcore contingent if you will um this is probably a little bit of a lull for a night two and at this point night one's uh it's beating it on the card if you will yeah yeah agreed and and if you throw in cornbread without lawler some people would say that that may continue um with a little bit of a lull lull in the set but lawler steps out on stage and he i mean anytime he comes out now the crowd obviously just huge pop um set the scene for us on cornbread it, it yeah. seemed like a good version and we we obviously love joe uh so you know he crushes pretty much any time yeah, he comes out for there. sure um yeah he uh he's good <laughs> uh the good fun before mid and after with this is like before before lawler's behind the board like updating the real-time set list and doing all the stuff he's doing um and just you know looking like a looking like a regular joe if you will pun intended and then he heads on out I uh, I say go kill it. He goes, who the fuck are you? He didn't say that, but I'm sure he was thinking. I was like, go kill it, man. <laughs> and he yeah. has such tremendous stage presence. Like he's out on the edge of the stage, you know, just being killer on that axe, man. He is a wonderful, wonderful guitar player. I love his style. I love his tone. I love his approach. And uh, to hear him play off of Tim was was awesome. This felt like a longer cornbread than normal. Um, in fact, I brought up the set here on Almanac. It was, this was a 10 minute cornbread. It didn't feel that long in real time. Wow. To be honest, I knew it was longer. It didn't feel uh, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And, uh, he did great. And then song ends. Um, and he goes back, uh, you know, wheel, they wheel his amp back. He puts his glasses back on. He's back doing his thing. I was just like, yeah, man, that was, that was a lot of fun there. So, uh, I enjoyed it. And, um, I, yeah, I, I, it would be great if like, you know, five to seven times a tour, they randomly brought Lawler out, but it was, you know, it wasn't just either rhyme or cornbread, although rhyme in this spot would have really been like rhyme is his best song in my opinion, but let him, let him try any number of, you know, let him give it a go on graves every now and then. Right. Or let him, uh, let him see what he can do on, on monsters or something like that. And just, you know, just, uh, you never know, like every, every so often, uh, throw him a bone, but, uh, but you know, is what it is. And for whatever reason, Dave was like, you know what, we're going to get Lawler out here. And so he did. And, and he's, he, uh, he killed it on cornbread. He's like more monsters. Oh yeah. He's a, he's such a showman. I mean, he just, he takes over. It's awesome. It's great. Great energy. Um, yeah. Okay. So you follow that up with monsters. 
die trying. Oh, Nolan, quick, let's plug Joe just one more real quick. Um, he's got some new music out. It's called The Long Way uh, with a buddy of his, Andrew Waldeck, and it's going to feature um, his partner, Kristen Ray Bowden. You probably heard Joe talk about her. Uh, Rashawn's on there, and then another uh, friend of his in front of the band's Jamie Field. So The Long Way, go check it out, Joe Lawler. Um, and yeah, roll Nolan. Sorry. Yes, it's uh, it's Bela time, okay? Bela. Bela takes the stage, uh, Matt, for Cha-Cha, yeah. Spaceman, Lionar Graves. A chairman, but yeah. Don't drink the water. I mean, wh- what are you thinking when all this is going on? And Because you knew about it. You saw him. You had dinner with him. Your best friends. Uh, yeah, not quite. But no, it yeah. was, uh, again, it was, a run. it was, so I saw Bela, I was on the opposite side of the stage of him. So I saw him, uh, I think he was out there by Monsters. So he was there for Monsters and then Die Trying. And then knowing he was going to guest on Cha-Cha, which I, I had listened to once. I liked it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to not listen again in case they play this at Saratoga. Because mm-hmm. they debuted it, what, like two, three weeks ago at this point? And so I was thrilled that it was on the set and uh, kind of got to listen, uh, listen again with relatively fresh ears and not. And I actually thought this was I thought this was a hit. I thought his banjo. But I, but you tell me if I'm wrong, because and listening in real time, I was like, yeah, you know what? This actually works like to the point where I was like, I want to hear a studio cut with Bela guesting on banjo on this. But did you guys listen to this uh, recording and, and would you agree or disagree? Thousand percent agree. Yeah. I had the same thought too. It was like, this needs to be a studio cut. Like bring him in the studio ASAP. I had the same thought before different reason. I thought that because I believed Dave when he said, Bayless never heard this song before. So we're going to play it and just trot him out there without ever practicing on it. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. It could be tongue in cheek, but uh, maybe um, said, I'm going to level the playing field. Yeah, exactly. Which, and, which and is Bela, funny. And is, yeah, is kind of true at his feet at Bayless feet. He did have a cheat sheet. Now the cheat sheet okay. had everything. It could have had don't drink spaceman and cha-cha on it, but he did have, he was reading off of something for chord changes or this, that, or the other. So um, that's probably what it was. It seemed like he looked back at Carter more on this song than any other. Um, I thought he seemed in not that he did anything wrong, just seemed a little bit more timid, a little not lost, but okay, now I'm going to solo. Okay. Y'all are backing away. Okay. This is where this is. Yeah. Um, it seemed a little weird, but I thought agreed with you guys. Cause I was like, it fits in the song. The banjo works. So I'd love to hear it in a clean practiced, like straight to recording version. Um, and I thought the end was great. So, um, yeah, agreed. it was a little bit of a weird choice, but it wound up, I think, working. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, very unexpected. Um, oh, yeah. Bela, first time guesting uh, since January 12th, 2018. That was with Dave and Tim in Mexico. And first time guesting full band since August 29th, 2015. And that was at Fiddler's Green outside of Denver. Uh, and that was, check that set list out. Pretty crazy. Um, unique songs that he guessed it on. Not, uh, not your typical Bela songs um also one thing to note we call it cha-cha almanac calls it cha-cha uh but dmb when they're selling their uh merch uh like the saratoga set list t-shirt and the trading card listed as only takes a moment so dave calls it cha-cha dave all, yeah i know but Weird. official cha-cha's dmb better cha-cha's much better. better much better name um easily well 
one other question um, with this. What was the how was the crowd like when Bela took the stage? Like, well, how so, big was the crowd? Oh, so they they rolled out his uh, I guess his amp and got his banjo. Uh, he had his banjo on his on his shoulder. But um, I th- I, the way that I remember this is that Dave was like facing the crowd or facing. He wasn't looking at Bela. And so then a roar comes over the crowd and it almost is like Bela's like, yeah, I'm just here. Like, I didn't need this grand introduction or anything like that. So he walked out before Dave introduced him. And then Dave and, and said, um, you know, Bela Fleck was in the neighborhood, which I found funny because uh, he definitely flew. <laughs> he flew in for the show. Now, maybe he needed to be in the area regardless, but uh, he was most definitely not in the neighborhood, you know, six hours before, which makes it even more special that they wanted to make sure this happened. And um, big, big, big time response. Now, this was this was a wonderful get in, in, in any in any incarnation. Whatever we have Bela on is awesome. And then to uh, again, so they Spaceman tour debut. Fine. Um, member Hall in the studio cut that ends with a banjo. Uh, I think they were expecting no one played at the end of the song. Oh, no. <laughs> so it, it, it was kind of like a. Wah, 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 like that kind of feel <laughs> that's what uh prompted them to go into graves and hell yes and thank god that they did this because this is arguably the quintessential bela song um and uh and they got it you know that was uh that was a wonderful wonderful addition which i thought they were going to do the reprise but no reprise so nothing there and then right into don't drink my only complaint about don't drink was now it might have been my ears. It could have been my. I was wearing the uh, the in ear monitor feed here. Um, I could barely hear Fleck on "Don't Drink the Water." So, but it's an overpowering yeah. song. And by the way, the way that this hit was like perfect. Like it was it was perfectly placed in the set list when they went into "Don't Drink the Water," a song that I've gotten probably it's probably my top five most heard songs in a hundred shows. Um, and in years past, I have tired of it because of how often I've gotten it. Not on this night, not here. It was bada bing, uh, chef's kiss perfect here. But I wish I heard a little bit more fleck. Maybe the audience heard more than I did, though. Yeah, I, I, I listened I, to it right before we came on here. I couldn't hear him at all. But uh, no. well, don't really understand the choice for, for Bela on Don't Drink. Uh, unless they're going to like completely change how they're going to play it, their dynamics and everything. And it's too loud because... He's perfect for the song. I mean, yeah. Lord knows he's, he's it's great, but there's no space sonically for Bela anymore on don't drink. Unfortunately, um, I really like the spaceman spot. I saw him guest on spaceman in 2014 at blossom. Um, and that was pretty awesome. And this is, I think it's a great song for him. Um, Carter and him, all the changing rhythms. It was really cool. Um, if people want to go back and listen to just the last like two minutes or so, start at like four minutes in. Uh, excellent. Fantastic. And then Graves, I mean, come on, like Matt said, quintessential. Um, and that was just, I mean, to use another Matt-ism here, chef's kiss. That was perfect. Love that and wish he would have stayed on for typical. But alas, we can't be beggars, I guess. Yeah, typical though. Um and when I was talking uh, before and I told Carter that it's arguably my favorite tune, um, he's like, I love the journey, uh, you know, all the places we go on that song. And I, I do as well, man. Just every I would take there are truly not that many tunes that I would take every show. I would take typical situation without complaint in every single show, every yeah. single show, every oh, single yeah. one. 
and thankfully they didn't cut it. It sounded tremendous. Uh, great jam, great intro, all of it, man. Um, all of it. Just uh, really, really, really cool. And um, and then that led into, uh, it, so I think, I think on the set, it said it was going to be a satellite fake before So Damn Lucky, I think. But that got uh, that got clipped in real time. It could have been because Dave knew they were they weren't necessarily running late. They was just going later than normal because they added graves, and so he went right into "So Damn Lucky," and um, yeah, it's "So Damn Lucky." So it, that 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 song is now elevated to a status where most in the audience know what it is, and then people love to do the thank you outro. I'm not big on the thank you outro, but I think that it is here until the band hangs it up, which is unfortunate. It almost felt like when I was listening. Um, that they were trying to, I thought this was the case, but it was not that they were trying to play over because you'll, you guys will know this. Like there came a time of 41 where the band played over the everyday outro. They were like, we're done with this. And, uh, and I thought that so damn lucky might get to that place because that frankly, if it ever does or could again, uh, I think it would elevate the song, but um, it has become a, it has become a crowd interaction moment. And certainly they were, they were encouraging that at, at a certain point. In fact, so much so that, the band, I think, thought they were done with the tune and then the crowd kept going and they decided to do or like Car- I think Dave thought he was done. And then Carter was like, I got one more for them right now. And he was uh, egging the crowd on. They had one more uh, push through it. So that was uh, there, there we go with the set closer. It happens. Uh, first time So Damn Lucky has been played as a set um, closer at a full band show since March 4th, 2010. And that takes you right into the encore with a partial Dave solo number 40 spec staple um, followed up by funny how time slips away. Another Dave solo and then gray street to close. And that wraps up your hundredth show, Matt. My hundredth show wrapped with, uh, with Mr. Matthews walking off. You're giving a little fist pump him saying, hi, <laughs> I said, good show. Then he got on the bus and got on his merry way. <laughs> that was a fun little. Uh, that was a fun little thing. He didn't know who the hell I was, but he was like, "Here's a person." Um, <laughs> Here's so, uh, a person. But uh, because he because he took the photo, he lingered a little bit, and um, yeah, just it was a, it was a very very cool fun experience there. I know we're on a time constraint though, and I think you guys wanted to talk about uh, Holmdel and and Jones Beach, so we can move yeah. along. If you want. <laughs> okay. Quickly for forty, uh, not much of forty there, but it's, uh, it's, shout out to a uh, friend of the pod, Brad. It was his fortieth birthday weekend. He had forty sign night one. Dave pointed at him and said, "I got you after two step," and he walked off. Oh. So forty played for good friend and Sarah Togan, Brad Casacci, my man. Happy birthday, buddy! And uh, so that was cool. Uh, but Dave did tell a kind of funny story about funny. yeah um being on acid he, and yeah 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 was, that was actually took some that, acid. he was I like it. i don't remember it for a second there he was yeah he was uh oh and there was a i got a great shot of this um uh i got a great shot of stefan I'll, I'll text it to you guys of stefan looking at dave during his solo uh thing because stefan was standing right uh he came over on that side him him and the horn players um with rashawn and coffin and it was just really really cool like just a fun little uh candid shot i got of him when he was going through all that kind of stuff um so interesting encore gray street closer fans were chanting last stop that 12 string guitar came out i think they thought they had a chance <sighs> sound song started dave actually kind of uh, before he started singing, looked at kind of people in the front row and made a little face kind of like, yeah, fucking right. <laughs> so that was funny. 
that correct. That is, I think that uh, interpretation is accurate. Yes. <laughs> so uh, quickly, let's move into Holmdel and Jones Beach here because we did have those shows uh, the last few days before we lead into this weekend um, uh, down in Camden. Um, so we we wrap up Matt's 100th show. He's still sitting on 100. Uh, you know, he didn't go to Holmdel or uh, Jones Beach that we know of. Uh, but we don't have any tapes of these, but we do have some cool stuff to go through. So first American Baby intro ever there in Holmdel, uh, which is really, really cool. Surprising. I actually thought that there had been one uh, back in like 05 or 06 maybe, but there hadn't. Um, so that was pretty interesting and pretty cool. Again, never thought that uh, that song would come back. But now here we have it um, opening shows. Um, uh, Nolan, thoughts on American Baby intro opener? Would you be okay with that? Definitely be okay with it, and uh, even more okay with it since he keeps the baritone out for so right in the two slot there. Great way to start things. Well, Spaceman, all you wanted was tomorrow. Early Nancy's Warehouse, love that placement. That's great. Um, it could happen. Gravedigger, mid-set fool in the rain. That's been played in the one or two slots. I got a uh, Carter note on you for that as well. Um, he... Uh... We got into talking like drum parts and all this stuff, and um, he loves, loves, loves playing Fool in the Rain. So he also mentioned that. So he, in fact, he specifically mentioned um, he loves it as an opener. I, I would, I prefer DMB Originals as opening songs, but Carter specifically because of the groove and the beat and the tone it sets, he loves. He's like, when Dave puts Fool in the Rain in the first song, like I know it's going to be a good night. So just another little Carter tidbit for you there. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I'm with you on the DMB originals as openers, but that's a that's a solid one. Um, after Fool in the Rain, looking for a vein. Grace is gone. What would you say? Too much fake into Brick House. It's a pretty cool run there. Yeah. Old Dirt Hill, Gray Street, and then the fireworks happen. Oh yeah. Warren Haynes joins the band for the first time since September first, twenty nineteen. And they, they put him on a new song right away, just like they did with Bela, Monsters. And I believe this is the only time in DMB's history where Bela and Warren have guested in back-to-back -back shows. Mm. Uh, pretty incredible right there, if, uh, if you were in the area in the last week. But Monsters, Billy's Watchtower to end the, the set with Warren. Wow. Uh, didn't see that coming. Didn't see Bela coming. This band is just doing it this year. It's a good little run there, guys. Uh, I haven't heard any of that stuff. I'd be interested to see actually what Warren did on Monsters. Um, Monsters is probably the best song on the new record, in my opinion. And mm. they, uh, it actually got flubbed at SPAC, um, but mm. uh, they've been playing. I, th I feel like it got flubbed, um, mm. but uh, but they've been playing it extremely well and have liked it a lot. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's killer. I mean, Monsters Billy Watchtower, all with Warren, is uh, is is big time stuff there. And um, I thought this was a solid follow up to Spack. I don't think this set is quite on the level of even uh, Night Two. Night One was the better night at Spack on set list overall, I think. Although Night yeah. Two had Bela, so it's it's really uh, forced me to pick. I actually, I really might go Night Two with the typical and the Bela on Graves. But um, but no, this was uh, this was tasty. Agreed. This is why I liked your point about uh, potentially Joe on Monsters because Warren, um, you know, they have slightly similar similar tone and style um, and Warren was perfect for this. I mean, the first note he hits on the slide uh, using his slide 
for the guitar on the intro was just, oh, this is, he's made for this. Uh, him and Tim, you know, Tim's playing is kind of the spacey stuff and Warren's playing that more crunchier uh, tone there. Fantastic. Solo was awesome. Song just completely crushed. Um, yeah. And I, I can't wait to get a more clean uh, version of that. I mean, shoot, let's let's get it released, guys. Come on. Um, and speaking of crush, Nolan, the show ended with crush. <laughs> the encore sister crush encore. Tell me a little about it and tell me a little about, bit about that sister. Yeah, the uh, story made the rounds on social media. Um, a woman who uh, had lost her brother. Um, he was a huge DMB fan. Um, lost her brother, I think, fairly recently. Um, was like trying to, wanted to get sister played. Never had never seen sister before. Um, and kind of made the rounds, made it to the right people. And, um, you know, she was there at the show, Dave added uh put sister on the set list so that was you know just a feel-good story dave and the band seemingly take into account stuff like that uh when it gets to them so that was you know just shows a great part of dmb and the community in general nice. fantastic yeah, yeah. i mean just there. can't say enough uh, we also had a home del correspondent uh kev Shout out to him. This was his 80th show. So we've got, I mean, people more experienced than us, uh, you know, around here with Norlander and, and Kev here, um, you know, obviously was struck by the uh, uh, ABI uh, opener there. So Dave held back a little bit on the screaming, he said, but not as intense. So that was awesome. He pointed out that all you wanted was tomorrow jam, uh, like the horns there. Uh, so that was fantastic. Love the grace is gone. I mean, every single time this song is played, obviously is going to be awesome. He says it's like fine wine, even though he doesn't drink wine, he knows that it gets better with age. Um, and then was just awestruck at the uh, at the Warren guest spot. That monsters will be one of the best one of the tour. He says unless someone else guesses and tears it up. Um, his work on Billy's and Watchtower were great as well, but monsters stands out. Um, and Dave made the same joke as he did at SPAC. He said, we figured we'd start Warren uh, with something he's never heard before. Um, so maybe Dave, again, trying to level the playing field a little bit. But it sounded like Warren had practiced on this one, to be honest. So <laughs> I, I'm not really buying your stuff there, Dave. Uh, but Mr. Kev was not, he was not pleased with the venue. He says that... Uh, Lots of people had a hard time getting in and out at a decent time. Lawn seemed overcrowded. Sound wasn't great. So, Homedale, you didn't get a great review uh, there. So, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but, you know, what can you say? Um, after that, we moved to Jones Beach, though. Uh, more out to that uh, Long Island-ish area. We get another first-time ever opener, Nolan Matt. What did y'all think of that? Not as surprising, knowing that Carter's all about uh, Virginia these days. And this is, I think... You know, this has been a pretty solid tour, uh, more than pretty solid. Like, I think this is pacing to be a top two tour of the past decade in terms of performances, variety. And I think the band and Dave's the one that writes the set list. I think there is an appreciation for just keep mixing up. What are you playing in the one spot? What are you closing sets with? What are you closing on? What are you putting in your encores? Like the more variety. Uh, the better, because at this point, the band's 30 years into its career. Uh, I even think, I wonder sometimes if it's undervalued just how many people attend a show that are familiar with the band and its music and have gone to multiple shows and have seen stuff before and like to keep things fresh. They have their own Sirius XM station. Live cuts get played all the time. 
Um, I think there's a, a good portion of the base that's familiar with this stuff. So keeping it fresh and they want to keep it fresh and that's really, really good. So to have Virginia open, it is a low key opener, but I would actually be about that. Then again, you know, my, my opinions on the tune, um, and uh, just mix it up, you know, here, here, there and everywhere. Uh, give it a little uh, something here. So this was uh, this was cool. Although I admit if I had been there and they did Virginia and then they did seven, I would have been like, here it is. I, I, I think I've said this on this pod before. Uh, the best version of seven, in my opinion, is the studio version. I don't think they've ever been better alive than than the studio cut. But that might be a minority opinion here. That was a tour debut. Another one off the shelf, which is good. You know what? keep going keep going if you're gonna go seven let's get a little bit of spoon out there let's get a little bit of dreaming tree go deep into the bag and uh and give us crazy easy and the like and all that good stuff mm. but, uh, but yeah an interesting uh one two three here with virginia then seven and then hello again if you're there if they're going to keep that you know in the, in the top three or four spots in the set i think hello again works anywhere in a set but uh but certainly off to a good start there in jones beach guys oh yeah i'd take it for sure um cool opener there i like the variety changing it up they've done a great mm -hmm. job with that all tour so kudos to the guys um keep it going walk around the moon looking for a vein die trying um don't typically see it that early i the like it that early though i thought about yeah. this i knew i was going to be on the pod die trying yeah. in my opinion works best in the first third of a set so i thought that was well placed definitely agree with that uh big odd fish into graves they are loving graves this tour seventh play of the tour got to get those numbers up that. segue. that's what keep us on our toes love to yeah, see 100 you know like there was there was nancy's and nowhere house that's back to me that's fine don't they don't have to segue every single time I, I like that stuff yeah no that's really cool um cha-cha boa ab intro break free late in the evening lover lay down there we go madman's eyes that is a strong unique run there um that all that all fits that all works and then uh warren haynes just following them around i guess uh he's just gonna <laughs> join them for the rest of the tour at this point uh man a two liberations here with warren melissa almond brothers song and then cortez the killer liberation into two-step all with warren uh wow Let's uh, let's go. They're feeling it. Wow is right. Um, can't wait to listen to these. Uh, obviously, the first Melissa in so long. I mean, back in 09, um, Cortez hadn't been played since uh, 2019. Nolan and I saw it that year as well, um, but with Susan Tedeschi. So that was cool. But uh, really interested to hear this run here, especially really the two-step. Um, yeah. And just w ready to see kind of what the band does um, on Melissa these days with this lineup. Um, so intrigued to hear that. Um, just a fantastic run. Oh, I mean, really a great show, honestly. Um, but like that, yeah, top the last like might be a might be a top five set of the tour so far. I think which is a trend over the last almost month now. That almost pretty much every show you're like, oh, is this the best show? Is this the top five show? Is this a yeah. like they That's are good? Yeah they're in it um so yeah matt your thoughts on the last uh last little bit of the set here as warren comes back out to become you know the uh the featured guest for the rest of the tour this is wonderful you get a little bit of melissa which is which is really great cortez uh, you, you know every single time um 
if Warren's out there and they get it, they, you know, what what can you say about that? Ocean works really well as an E1. It's nice to see that song hasn't disappeared. And uh, yeah, this is, you know, to, I know we're up against it here and Bruce, you got to scoot in a second. So I'll try and be quick on this. But I think, you know, kind of a peek behind the curtain with this is that um, this was a tight corridor here for the for the band and for the crew. And that if you look at what they've done, um, you know, they had the two shows in New Hampshire. Then they had to scoot down to Saratoga. Then they had to go to Jersey. Then they had to turn around and do a quick one up Jones Beach. And now they go down to Camden. Um, they're all geographically somewhat close, but it's a lot of shows. And some of these venues are uh, are, are more logistically challenging than, than others. So this is probably the, uh, the most stress-inducing part of the entire tour, I think. And um, it's really awesome to see that... Uh, the band is putting on some really good sets and i have i have to say this i have to say this before we get out of here um dmb's crew is absolute first rate amazing human beings they the people that uh this band employs and works with and is friends with are so so nice so hardworking, such amazing professionals and it was it has been an incredible experience to be able to to get to know some of these these folks um They've got a they've got a, a tour manager named uh, named Anthony, uh, production manager, I should say. And he has uh, lived an incredible life and, and worked in the past with people like Michael Jackson and Madonna and Metallica and has stories for days. And um, just to get to get to know these people a little bit. And, you know, they know that I've been working on the story on Carter and uh, for them to kind of let me in and and, and you know, and, and just just trust me to a certain extent I, I don't take it for granted it's been really awesome it's been an amazing experience and uh and yeah just uh it was it was a phenomenal thing at, at saratoga and the band is just it's playing so well right now that's i think that's the really inspiring thing um if i can be frank uh i think sometimes when there are album tours or there are maybe just like some reservations like okay what what will these set lists look like they'll be good but will they be great and right now i think dmb is in the midst of its best set list variation and performances on an album tour i think it literally might be since busted stuff i really think it's been that long in terms of the unpredictability with the sets and that's uh that's a really fun really cool thing i'm excited to do this this story on carter we are getting there we are not done yet but uh, but I appreciate the man and his time and everyone, and I appreciate you guys for uh, having me on to uh, to riff a little bit about the Matthews Band. Thank you so much. Always, hey, anytime. We enjoyed it, and everybody, stay tuned for for Matt's uh, feature on Carter Beaufort. We cannot wait to read it. Um, man, thanks for joining us, Matt. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Keep up the good work with the pod. Will do. You do the same with uh, with your basketball project. I mean, I think you have a little tiny podcast <laughs> over there that does, you know, a couple of listeners every now and then. Yeah. Um, but we had one quick question before sure. we get you out of here. Where does Walk Around the Moon rank? We were getting your tour rankings, Ooh. some song rankings. Uh, where does Walk Around the Moon rank in uh, in the DMB Pantheon there? Yeah, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. I, so I did when uh, when COVID hit. I did the ranking of all the DMB songs. I'm going to, I got to update that. That's going to get an update before the end of the summer. I'm going to, I got a slot in the walk around the moon songs and maybe adjust a little, a tune here or there. Uh, nice. You talk, so overall albums, how would I rank it? Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So I would go, we're just going the 10 proper studio records here, right? Yep. I would go, I would go streets one under the table two, crash three, Busted stuff four, away from the world five, 
Um, I would say, uh, 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 I would go, this is, see, then it gets tricky for me. Cause then I actually think there's a line of delineation. Um, I, I really think I would go come tomorrow seven. I really do. Um, because in, for me, walk around the moon doesn't have two studio tracks that are as good as Virginia and again and again. So I would go come tomorrow seven. Uh, I would go walk around the moon eight. Did I miss one here? Whiskey nine. Yeah, you, you skipped six. What would you six. Six. Okay. So, so here we go. Come tomorrow six. <laughs> Counting is fun. Uh, come tomorrow six. I think walk seven. Every day? Whiskey eight, every day nine, stand okay. up ten. Yeah. Wow. Okay. The interesting come tomorrow bump there. Okay. Was not expecting that. It, it's gotten um, low, low. Yeah, you know, but there's still like there's still uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um Walk Around the Moon uh is a good record, but there are facets to it that feel like they still could have been fleshed out more. Like I still see missed opportunities on the album. Mm -hmm. Um, but the benefit to that is like some of those tracks are already aging better live and growing live. So yeah. uh, Yeah. I think that's as, yeah. Listen, when, when you are someone that has been listening to the band for 25, 26, 27 years and the, the scars from hearing going from streets to every day, some of that stuff just is hard to eliminate. So, but the everyday is actually aged better than I thought it would. But I, I think I would have it. It's in a battle with whiskey for eight. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Okay. Not bad. A different. We have different perspective there than uh, than what we have brought. Uh, yeah. yeah. We we had to get that in though. Um, but yeah, thanks, Matt. Obviously, again for joining us. Uh, you can find Matt on the Eye of College Basketball podcast if you're a big college basketball fan. Um, and he's over at CBS Sports and does a lot of stuff. Um, he's gearing up for the season here. It's about to get really, really uh, wild over the coming months. So um, we'll be listening. We'll be tuning in. Hopefully, others will be as well. But for now, it's all about the Dave Matthews Band. Um, thanks, Matt, again for joining us, and uh, we really appreciate it. Everyone going up to Camden or going down to Camden or going across to Camden, however you're getting there, y'all stay safe. Uh, have a ton of fun. Hopefully we get another epic weekend as Camden, Camden sometimes gets. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing that. So tune in night one, Sirius XM. Um, you know, that'll always be there. But Matt, any parting words before we close the door and uh, close another chapter to the Norlander Gray Street pod series? I think I'm good, guys. Uh, you know, I I appreciate you having me on, and uh, look forward to seeing what the rest of uh, what the rest of the tour brings. Excellent, awesome, absolutely, yeah. Nolan, well, thanks to, for oh, joining as always. Oh, go Bears, yeah, go Bears. Oh, yeah, go Bears. Oh, go Bears. Go Bears. Go Bears. Yeah, go Bear down. Garbage. All right, we're we're out of here. On that note, we'll we'll see the loser Bears next time on the corner of Gray Street.
Hey music fans, we wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fund run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Enjoy.